Hey, well, it's great to have you here, whether you're here in our sanctuary or part of our online church family. Great to have you here with us. And uh, hey, listen, we're in this series, Strong at Home, where we are tracking the story of someone from the Old Testament. Um, His name is Nehemiah. And today we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 8. But hey, but if you haven't been with us during this series, um, I just kind of want to back up just a, just a beat and just remind everybody that in this story of Nehemiah, it's all about God raising up this leader who understood that he had to return to his ancestral homeland because the walls of Jerusalem were in ruins. They were just lying on the ground, completely devastated, and over, uh, over many, many years, decades, uh, Jews had begun to return to re- uh, Jerusalem from being in exile in Babylon, where their enemies had taken them and left their city in ruins. And so, so Nehemiah is coming with this vision to rebuild the walls after their, his homeland, after his home, had really been attacked. And we've been seeing this parallel because in our lives, guess what? Our homes, our lives have really felt like they've been under attack for this past year. And so we've been paralleling Nehemiah's story about rebuilding the walls with what we're experiencing in our own lives, kind of looking around our homes, looking around our lives going, you know what? There's a lot that's kind of like left in some shambles after this last year. We need to rebuild the walls of our lives if we're going to have homes and lives that are strong once again. And so over these past weeks, we've talked about four walls. Specifically, we've talked about rebuilding our emotional walls, our mental walls, our relational walls. And last week, we talked about even rebuilding our physical walls and talked about physical health and how important that is. And in all of that, you may be saying, well, what does this have to do with my faith? I mean, my emotions, my mind, you know, my my body, my relationships. What does that have to do with my faith? And to that, I would answer, everything. It has everything to do with our faith. We will never be spiritually strong if the other walls that are surrounding our lives are lying in ruins. Because all the walls of our, that kind of frame out who we are, frame out our lives, they're all interconnected. And so if we're hurting in one area, you know, if the walls in one area of our life, our emotions, our relationships, our body, our, our mind, if, if those are in ruins, guess what? It is going to impact our faith. It absolutely has everything to do with our walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Pete Scazzaro um, was a pastor who created a fantastic ministry called EHS, or Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which we've uh, embraced at our church. He says it this way. He says this. um, He says, it is not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Why would he say that? Because the walls of our lives are interlocked. They're interconnected. 
And what he said about the area of our emotional health would be true of all the areas of our lives. Like if our relationships are in ruins, guess what? That's gonna have a direct impact on our relationship with Jesus and not in a positive way. And if we're not tending to our physical life, guess what? Whether it's from our finances to our physical health in our bodies, this is going to end up eroding the strength in every area, including in our faith. Our spiritual life is directly tied to all the other areas of our life. They're interlocked, they're interconnected, and each one matters. Jesus cares about every single area of your life. Never believe different, never believe the kind of a faulty assumption that, that somehow he only cares about my faith. No, he cares about every aspect of who you are. He cares about your mind. He cares about your emotions. He cares about your relationships and he even cares about your physical life, your body and all the other physical elements of your life. Jesus cares about every area of your life. That's why when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love God with all of who you are in every area, your emotions, your mind, your relationships, your body, as well as your faith. Because God created us in such a way that all of these areas are interconnected, they all matter to our spiritual walk, our life of faith in Jesus. So today, we're turning to that fifth wall. It's the wall of who we are spiritually, the wall of our our faith in Jesus. But I wanna make something clear about this whole interconnectivity of all of these walls and all these areas of our life. Just because all these walls are interconnected, it doesn't mean that they're all equal. Let me say that again. Just because they're all interconnected and because they all matter to God and he cares for them, it doesn't, ma- it doesn't mean that they're all equal. I want you to listen to the words of John the Baptist with me. Okay, they're found in John 3, 35 and 36. John the Baptist was talking about Jesus and this is what he says. He says, the father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone, listen to that, anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. Listen, God cares about every area of your life, but your emotional health won't save you. Only Jesus could do that, right? And there's people who spend years of their lives multiplied thousands of dollars sitting with counselors in order to try to rebuild the relational walls in their lives, right? Where where relationships have just been left tattered in their life. And so they spent all kinds of time and money and resource in order to rebuild the, you know, the relational walls of their life. But you know what? 
healthy relationships will never lead to eternal life. Only Jesus will do that. So you, so you see, even though Jesus cares about every area of our life, they're not all equal. That, you know, so John 10.10, 10, what did Jesus say? I, I love the way it says it out of the Passion Translation. It says this, John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, I have come to give you everything, right? Everything in abundance in every area of your life, like everything. I've come to give you everything in abundance more than you can expect. Life in its fullness. Can you say fullness? Life in its fullness until you what? Overflow. See, what Jesus is saying is like when you get your faith right, all these other areas, because they're interconnected, all of a sudden begin to also fall into order. They're all important, but they're not all equal. When we prioritize our faith, that which will lead to eternal life, our faith in Jesus, guess what? Then Jesus comes in and brings this abundant life, this fullness of overflowing, fulfilled life, then all the other areas begin to make sense. All of our stories, even the parts that we'd rather not go back to, even those parts that were pretty painful, all of them begin to, begin to make sense as God begins to redeem those areas, to heal us from what's broken, and cause us to flourish and thrive and be fruitful in places that were just a mess and barren before. So they're all important, but they're not all equal. And I love that about this part of our spiritual walk with the Lord, our, our, our lives of faith in Jesus. And it's in this story of Nehemiah that we've been tracking, and now in Nehemiah chapter 8, but we know that they had to rebuild the walls around the city, right, in order, why? So that there would be restored security and safety. But listen to this. Having big, strong walls is never the goal. It's like, wait, wait, wait a second. Ha haven't you been saying that we need to rebuild the walls of our life? I mean, that's the whole like, point of this series. Yep, it is. But having big, strong walls is not the goal. The goal is to have a life that is protected. Those walls are only there not to be, look at my big, pretty walls, it, those walls are there to protect what is precious inside the walls. The walls aren't what is that important. They're necessary, but they're not what's important. What's important is what's inside those walls. So our emotional health, our mental health, our physical and relational health, all of those, you know what that does? Those support and those give protection to this precious gift that is inside of who I am, what God created me to be. So as we rejoin the story of Nehemiah in chapter eight, what we're gonna see is the very first thing that they do inside these restored, rebuilt walls is to restore their relationship with God. And so we're picking up in Nehemiah eight, verse one, and we're just gonna be trekking through this chapter, and I, it is so 
awesome and see how it parallels our own lives if we're going to rebuild our spiritual life in this, this wall of faith in Jesus. So, Nehemiah 8.1, all the people, say all the people. Say it again, all, everybody assembled, okay? The, all the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square, just where? Inside the wall, okay? Inside the water gate. They asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the book. This was their scripture, Right? They didn't have the whole Bible, but what they did have is, hey, they had the law of Moses, or what we now even refer to as the Pentateuch, which is like the first five books of our Old Testament. So they asked Ezra, hey, bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given, listen, for Israel to obey. So in this little scripture here, right in verse one, we see this incredible thing that everybody was gathered in this unified purpose. And what did they ask for? Bring us the book. We need God's word. And, and I love what it says because they wanted to be reminded of what it is that they were to obey. Listen, that's a, that's a significant thing because I don't know how you come before the Lord or even come to church. Is it like with the same heart that says, God, show me your word because I want to know what it is that I am to obey. No, I just, you know, I just really drop in for some encouragement, you know. I just want to be someone who's like, give, give me that little spiritual pep talk, Pastor Tim. You know, pat me on the back, make me feel good. Um, you know, it's like, that's really what I desire, right? I just want that little spiritual nudge of encouragement. But what these people were saying, and I think this is really important, because to come to God with a heart of worship, a heart of what we might even call discipleship, where we're like, we're wanting to become more and more like Jesus. God, I want to become more like you. We have to come to, with the same heart that says, God, I want to know what's in your word because I truly want to follow your lead. So I'm coming with a heart that says, I want to obey. It's hard, right? That, that, there's the struggle right there is that, oh, that, that, heart, that obedience is hard, right? To do the things that we know that are gonna lead to life because they're coming from God himself. But it's so important and that's where they started. And and then it goes on in the next verses, in verse two and three, listen to what it says. So on October 8th, very specific right here, on October 8th, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, listen to this, which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon. I mean, they had a long church service here, right? From early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people, what did they do? It says they listened closely to the book of the law. Now, I love 
the fact that here it says the entire families were together. It says there was men present, there was women present, and it says all the kids who were old enough to understand. Listen, I think we can have a really mistaken perception about what can kids understand about God anyway, right? Can I tell you, they can understand a whole lot. And when it comes to the things of Jesus and understanding just really the power and the beauty of the gospel, I believe that the Holy Spirit can reveal that even to very young children. That was a story in my own life. That's why I really know that that's true. I was three years old when my mom shared with me the power of the gospel and just told me what Jesus had done for me. And you know what happened? It wasn't just like this normal like three-year-old conversation. I can remember to this day something of the Holy Spirit revealing to me something more than a three-year-old brain could understand. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who confirms his truth inside of people's hearts and lives and minds. So the Holy Spirit did something in this three-year-old Tim, right? This three-year-old little boy that, that I can still remember to this day a whole lot of years later, more than 50 years later. It's a big deal. And so every kid who could understand, everyone, whole families were there together. Parents, I think this is a really strong reminder that it's our responsibility to get our kids in front of God, to get them in front of his, the love and the beautiful power, the testimony of Jesus and the gospel. It's our responsibility to bring them before God and then to model just what these parents were doing here, right? Saying, God, I'm coming to hear your word. I want to be obedient to your word because our kids are watching and they know whether this is just all like this, you know, smoke screen, this like little religious dance that we're doing or whether we have hearts that say, God, I want to pursue you with everything that I am. I want to know you and I want to obey you. And I think when parents do that, when they get their kids in front of God and they model to them those hearts that are passionate after him, it will revolutionize the next generation. So parents, I want to encourage you. Guardians, I want to encourage you. If you have kids in your home or in your sphere of relationship, do what these parents were doing. Get your kids in front of God and show them what it looks like to pursue them with all of your heart. So then what happens? They, they get the book. It says they're listening closely for hour after hour. And so then we get to verse 7 and 8 of Nehemiah 8. And it says this, because they didn't just listen, but listen to this next thing. It says the Levites, and the Levites, as a reminder, were, all, were those who were charged with everything regarding worship. They were in charge of the temple. They were in charge of everything regarding Jewish worship. The Levites then instructed the people in the law while everyone remained in their places. They read from the book of the law of God, listen to this, and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. You guys, I think this is profound. What, what was happening here is so profound because what it tells us is that hearing isn't enough. 
Now listen, faith comes by hearing, hearing God's word, but hearing alone isn't enough. Like maybe you would remember maybe in your own stories, maybe you were a little older than three, right? When, when finally something clicked. Some people, like they've heard the story of Jesus and the transforming work of the gospel. They've heard that over and over, but you know what? It's in one ear, out the other, right? It's like, oh man, I've heard that so many times, but it lacks understanding. And what the Levites were doing is like, hey everybody, you gotta listen. We, we've been hearing the word, but you need to understand here what it's really talking about. We've got to hear so that we can understand. Because if we don't understand it, we'll never live it. So we hear, we understand, so that it can actually be brought into our lives, and then we become what Jesus said, or not hearers only, but doers of the word. So essential. And so that's what the Levites are doing. They instructed the people, helping people understand each passage. You know what I was reminded of? That's exactly what Jesus did for his followers. You know, after Jesus died and, and rose again, he showed back up to the disciples. He shows, shows back up. Listen to what's captured. Let's just listen to these words. It's found in Luke 24, 44 and 45. It says this. It says, then Jesus said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled, right? I told you all those things. In other words, they heard them. But then he goes on and says, then Jesus opened their minds. Whew. Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. See, they'd heard them before. Jesus had been talking to them for three years, right before he'd gone to the cross. Jesus gave them a whole bunch of scripture, but they'd heard it, but they still lacked some understanding. And so it says that Jesus now opened their minds. God has the power to open our minds. And do you know that he will do that for you and for me so that anything about his word that we lack in understanding, that he will still do for us what he did for his disciples right there. Really? He'll, he'll do that for me? Absolutely. The apostle Paul talked about it because he said, this is what the work of the Holy Spirit is in our lives. That the Holy Spirit is there to help reveal to us. Listen to what the apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm just going to read a couple of verses to you, verses 7 and 10. He says this, he says, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden before now in a mystery, right? All this wonderful wisdom, but it's, it's hidden as a mystery. But listen, but God now, God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. The Spirit does what? He unveils these profound realities to us by His Spirit. It says, yes, He has revealed to us 
his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit who constantly explores all things. Listen, the Holy Spirit's better than Google. Constantly exploring all things, knowing all things. And so what does the Holy Spirit do? Reveals to us what we need to know. I love that. Because some of us can fall into the trap of being hearers of the word, but lack understanding. And I love the fact that God himself will reveal to us what we need to know. And as we continue also reading the New Testament, we find that God also brings people into our lives that will help us, just like the Levites, to unpack each passage to make it clear to our understanding. It's a little bit of what we're doing right now, right? But what, is, what does it say in Ephesians chapter 4? It says that God has appointed apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, right? Why? So that they, there would be revelation, that we would all grow in our understanding of what it means to grow more and more into the image of Jesus. So God is helping us on this journey just the way that those Levites were helping the people at that time. So we go on. A couple other really cool things happen in this story. Because listen to what happens after people have not only heard but understand God's word. Nehemiah 8, 9 says this. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra the priest, and scribe and the Levites were interpreting for the people, said to them, don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. Why did they say that? For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Listen, why were they weeping? I mean, wouldn't they be like, yes, go, awesome, good point. Thanks for helping me understand. No, when they came to understand what God's word was really communicating to them, you know what they did? It, it broke their hearts. There was something happening inside of them that was just rending their hearts, just ripping them apart inside. Why? Because they realized right here in this moment how much they had gotten wrong. See, now they were coming with a spirit to obey and they recognized all the points of grief in their life that had come about because they had been walking in disobedience to the Lord. Pretty heavy. How about you? Have you ever had your heart broken because of the revelation, not of some preacher preaching and trying to, you know, condemn you because there's no condemnation in Christ. But that, the work of the Holy Spirit begins to reveal things. And we do, we, we begin to grieve and mourn, maybe weep over, God, why did I go down this path? And that's exactly where they were here. I mean, they are over 150 years into a story because it was their parents, parents, parents who had really messed up. 
And we read this story in, in the first part of our series of how did they get to this place of devastation? And it, it really said is that everyone had become more and more unfaithful to God. And then when God had sent prophets and messengers to warn the people, because God did not want devastation to come upon them, it says that they mocked God's word coming to them. I mean, they were just absolutely walking completely away from the things of God. And that's why this devastation had come. And right now they're finally getting it. They're finally understanding just the depth of the brokenness that they've been living to and living in. And so it brought them to this place of weeping and mourning. But what does Nehemiah get up and say? Don't mourn. You can, you, okay, enough. You, you can stop now. Because it goes on, it's not the end of the story. And the end of the story here is so beautiful and amazing. Because in verse 10, right after he says, hey, you don't need to weep any longer. It says, and Nehemiah continued. Go and celebrate. Woo! It is time now to get a party started. Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh man, this is so awesome. Listen, of course, there's gonna be points when we grieve. There's gonna be points when we look back at our story and our hearts are just broken because we know we got it wrong. Or maybe it was our parents or our grandparents who really got it wrong. They really got off track and they, they drug us right along with them into their brokenness, into their addiction, into their just messed up stories. And we just got brought right along with people who went before us. Hey, guess what? We grieve those things. We don't celebrate those things. But then after that time of mourning and the time of grief, we can take heart in the fact that, wait a second, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It wasn't just true for those people thousands of years ago in Nehemiah's day, it's true for us. The joy of the Lord is our strength. What is the joy of the Lord? It's everything. It's his power to redeem every area. No matter how broken the wall is, it can be restored and repaired. No matter what is going on in your story, God is greater than your story. God is greater than our brokenness. God is greater than our addiction. God is greater than our emotional baggage and broken relationships. And in that, we can take great joy. It changes everything. And when we realize not only where we got it wrong, but how God came to make it right, everything changes. So then we go from mourning to celebration, right? Oh man, like it says in the Psalms, mourning may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Yes, 
And that's the story of our lives of faith. And so how does the story end? The people did exactly what Nehemiah says, and it's found in, in verse 12 of Nehemiah 8. It says, so the people went away to eat and to drink at a festive meal, to share gifts of food and to celebrate. How? With great joy, because they had heard God's word and understood them. They had heard God's word and they understood God's word. It penetrated all of their brokenness. It penetrated their stories. It penetrated 150 plus years of walking in brokenness and in disrepair. And now they came to this point of not only mourning what had been part of their story, but now we get to rejoice. The joy of the Lord flooded their souls. And can I tell you, that is what God's goal is for every single one of us. I don't know what your thoughts are of what it would look like to build a strong spiritual wall around your life, around your home. I'm gonna be a person of faith spiritual conviction. I'm going to be obedient to God's word. You know what? That's all great. But you know what? We can, we can kind of do it, you know, looking like we've been chewing on lemons, you know, where we're just, and I'm going to be unhappy about it. Cause man, life is just all messed up. Have you seen what's in the news lately? And we can just Look at all that is broken. Pointing at all the parts of our wall that aren't all rebuilt yet. And we can become discouraged and we can become mournful, sorrowful, that everything isn't perfect and not everything is great yet. But I believe that this story captures something about how God would want to rebuild our lives of faith in him. The one we need to hear but we need to do more than hearing. We need to come to that place of understanding. We need to get after it with the Lord's help. And he's there to help by the power of his Holy Spirit to help reveal to us whatever we need to understand, whether you're three years old or you're 103. God will reveal to you what needs to be shown. And so we come to the end of this conversation today and we got one more week in this series. We're gonna come next week and we're gonna kind of do a recap and we're gonna look at what happened next in their story. And I invite you to come back and rejoin us for the final week in this series. But I wanna ask you, where is your wall of spirituality? Where, what state is it in? Your relationship of faith with Jesus. Where does it stand today? Maybe you've heard a bunch of times, but you've never really understood. Maybe today God's breaking through with some understanding. And there's something about being drawn to this healing, redemptive God that is drawing you to him today like never before. Or maybe like it happened a long time ago, but God is restoring something in your spirit. And so there's an invitation. 
there's an invitation to hear, to understand, to grieve what needs to be grieved, but then to come with joy to the cross, recognizing that Jesus has paid the price that you and I could never pay in order to restore and rebuild those things that we could not do on our own. What a great price he paid. His own blood, his own body, broken on the cross. His blood spilled out. And he did it for you and for me because of his love for us. And because of that, we can have the spiritual life. We can have these walls, these spiritual walls of faith that are strong around our lives, around our homes, protecting us from all that is evil, all that the enemy would want to bring in to just bring ruin and havoc in our lives. If that's you at all today, whether you're right here or whether you're at home watching online, I would just invite you, turn to Jesus. Turn to him wherever you are in your story and just make it your prayer to say, God, I come to you today with an open heart. God, I want to come not as someone only to just be encouraged, but I want to come to be someone who obeys you and obeys your word so that I can be transformed to be like you, to be transformed, my brokenness transformed into strength. Jesus, would you do that in my life? Would you do that in my life? And his reply is always yes. Oh, he always answers our yes with an even bigger yes. I'll do that for you. I will do that for you. Listen, if you are online, now I would just so encourage you to go over to our, our website, sm4.org. On the homepage, you're gonna find just a virtual connection card. If you click that, you can drop us a note and say, hey, I'm, I'm giving my life to Jesus today. Because my promise is we'll reach out to you. We will help you. We'll help to answer questions. We'll help to do what the Levites were doing way back then. Anything that you're lacking in understanding, we're going to work with you to help you grow, to fully understand who God is, what his word says, and where you are in his story. And anybody that's here this morning, that would really like to just to connect and say, you know what, I, I need to rebuild this wall in my own life. Maybe you're building it for the first time or maybe it's something that has fallen apart. I'm just gonna ask my friends right here, uh, the Red Hands and the Lamones, if you guys had come up and just make yourselves available just to pray with people right at the conclusion of service because we would love to agree with you on what God is doing rebuilding the walls in your life. Hey, you are loved. I am so grateful that you're here today. I look forward to rejoining the conversation next week. Church family, you're so loved. If you haven't uh, given today, if you, you brought gifts, financial resource to just worship the Lord with, on your way out, you're gonna find that there's boxes that you can just deposit those in right on the walls. And if you're online, you can find our giving page. It's right there on our website. We so appreciate you just partnering with us um, in generosity. Thank you as you do that. Church, you're loved. We'll see you next week.